Blog Talk Radio. Oh, that's it? <laughs> I keep waiting. Sometimes you meet somebody, just blows your mind. Sometimes you don't know what to do. We got the transatlantic thing, but uh, let me give you the proper introduction here. Um, okay. I'm, my show <laughs> with Tom Hayes is thrilled to have Sarah Newton, author, media expert, journalist, TV personality, discuss her latest topic: unconventional parenting in a time when everything—family, children, parenting, society, education—is in flux. Sarah Newton gives us an insight into unconventional parenting and what it means to bring up well-adjusted improperly exposed children in a global economy and world. If you were fortunate enough to catch our first show with Sarah, you heard a fascinating career transition from British police Bobby to educator, counselor, youth expert. Tune in for a fascinating look at the unconventional parent. How'd I do? 
Wow, I love that. I've, I've never been called a journalist before, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, your posts are certainly of of the utmost and highest journalism uh, I, I think I've ever seen on the internet. So there you well, go. There you I, go. I, if I showed <laughs> it, then, then you can accept it. Uh, okay. So how have you been? First of all, congratulations on the novel. Thank you. Thank you. It is finished. Um, we're still not quite sure when it's going to be out into the world, but um, we're getting there. Yeah, it's it's been a challenge, let's just say. I now know why everyone doesn't write a novel. <laughs> Super oh, hard. I know. Well, you know, it, it's... Um, one of my heroes, of course, is Steve Jobs, and he talks about connecting the dots. And I want to tell you that you are one of the significant dots in my life because on our first show, you recommended the uh, writer's uh, uh, journey. And um, I went and got the book, and I, too, because of that, uh, you uh, it was enough of a spark to get me to write a novel. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Boy, it is not easy. No, it isn't. It's oh, it's easy to write a novel, actually. What the habit is is to write a good novel. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that would be the point, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's easy to put words on paper. Actually, it's then you know making the story make sense. And oh, it's uh, you know what I I always remember when I do things like this that are so challenging how it is to be a young person doing something for the first time and how challenging yeah. it must be for them. Things that we find easy, that when you're doing them for the first time, they are so not easy. So, you know, it always reminds me of, of that, which I'm so grateful for. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, throughout this, all of my uh, interviews and shows, we it always comes to some point we talk about writing because of all the benefits of writing, whether no matter what you're writing, whether it's a journal or a post or something, it's a, a very healing process at the time. But, um, yeah, this whole thing with the novel gets really overwhelming because so much comes into your mind. You don't know if you're putting things in the right order or, uh, you know, trying to tie the story, as you said, try to make it a good story uh, rather than just write things down. So you really do, you're really in no man's land. I mean, you're in territory... I'm finding that I've never been before because it is extremely challenging. Yeah, but it's good, isn't it? It's good to challenge ourselves and take ourselves out of our comfort zone and to do something that's different because it's sort of, that's what it is to be alive, I think. Yeah, it really is. You know, I'm, I feel, you know, I'm 68 years old and I could have been dead at 13 with the uh, type of cancer I had. So, because uh, in those days, there was no chemotherapy, anything. And if 100 kids got it, 95 died. So I was one of the lucky five and still am every day. And, yeah, I mean, I have had an absolute, with that as a jumping off point, because that's when I consider the beginning of my life, I, uh, you know, I was constantly reminded that <laughs> I could have been dead. So uh, Alan Watts, who is a great philosopher, always said, you know, if you live your life as though you're already dead, You'll you'll realize that you know you'll have a beautiful life because you'll take risks and chances and be brave about it in places where most most people normally wouldn't. So, yeah, to, to try new things is really um, it just you know it just makes life so much richer. Absolutely, and you know, and hey, we all like to learn whatever our age. I think. <laughs> 
Oh, exactly. Now, what the title, I just looked for You have so many Facebook pages and, and websites, and I tried to find, it was on there yesterday. The title is about thighs. Can you give us the title? Oh, never mind my thigh gap. <laughs> so where, where that's a, is the is the rest of the book as as humorous as the title? <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's it's about it's about this girl who doesn't have a very good self self sort of image. So to get some confidence, she decides to enter a modeling competition. Which, oh, fabulous yeah. plot! So it's Great. it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Great, 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 great. So it must, through the story, then, you're able to uh, evidently teach a lot of your lessons, right? To put them into uh, story form. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, there was a a point in in my career where I started asking myself, you know, how do you get your message out in a way that's more palatable and in a way where it can get to more people? And stories are hugely important in our lives and I think more important than we know or even care to imagine you know they're in everything and stories are very powerful you know they're very powerful healers it's it's a way of us taking ourselves out of our problems and looking at them through someone else's eyes so it made sense to me to start writing stories that that really could help people get over the things that I was seeing you know all, all around me but it's you're doing it in a much more gentle sort of way. It's a bit more under the radar, so to speak, I guess. Yeah, it's not um, it's not a nonfiction approach, you know, in your face. This is what works, what doesn't work, what you should be doing, you shouldn't. It's like showing the development of that character and what she experiences and how she overcomes this. Uh, you know, is you're right. It's one step removed, but yet you get the point. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, again, I'm going to go back to that. That was a, you know, I, I think so, and I speak about you all the time because that first <laughs> interview was was so powerful. You, your amazing story about your your story alone is amazing. From Bobby to what you are now, and um, you know, and you just keep on going. You're, you know, you've tapped into a well of uh, creativity and you know, uh, um, as a role model, and, you know, it's exactly what teens need today. They need, uh, it's so hard for them to listen to our age group, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's hard for them to listen to, to anything, actually. You know, I think they're in a world that we, you know, weren't in when we were children. There's so much information coming to, at them, and, you know, a lot of it is just not resonating with them, or it's not sort of you know, going in, and and I think that I don't necessarily think it's a generation generational thing. I think it's you know teens will listen if they're engaged, and so I think it's about engagement versus um, the generation that anyone's in, and I think it's um, it's a fine balance. You know, that's a, a favorite, another favorite topic of mine is the art of engagement, and it's so lacking today. <laughs> So a lack of social uh, engagement, and those who are skilled at it, uh, you're right, and that's your skill, uh, evidently. And I found it when I interviewed you the first time, and now, and you you have that ability. And you 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 when you talked to, uh, to us the first time, you talked about how that kind of was an um, outgrowth of your being a, a good Bobby. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that in a, you know, we've under we underestimate how important um, relationships are, um, and I, I don't mean like a relationship as in a boyfriend girlfriend or husband and wife, but you know, all everything that we do every day, we're in a relationship to either ourselves or somebody else, and I think that we've forgotten that. You know, that we think that everything. You know, there's a five-step plan to fix everything, and and you know right. we can find the answer here. But but mainly the the answer is always about a relationship, and I think they're hugely important. And and most of what young people need, in my experience, is somebody they can be in a equal relationship, you know, with, or um, you know, that understands them and and really does look at things from their point of view rather than trying to tell them what to do i guess well yeah and you you uh you, you you mentioned in the first interview that one of the turning points for you was when you decided to ask questions mm-hmm. that you couldn't yeah, handle you know, things. I mean, it's, yeah yeah and a it different sort simple. of question yeah yes yeah, it just, sounds so simple go ahead say it again yeah, no, so it just sounds so simple that we ask questions. And I often will get parents coming to me saying, you know, I've got this problem with my child or I've got this problem with my teenager. And I'm saying, well, have you asked them a question about this? Have you asked them what they want to do? Have you asked them what the solution is? And most of the time they haven't. And that astounds me. <laughs> you know, like, why don't we just ask the question? And I think that we're so led to believe um you know, not just in this country, I think, you know, in, in any developed country, that um, that young people are not, or not even young people, but children and young people, they're not able to come to their own decisions or they're not able to come to their own conclusions and therefore we have to tell them what to do all the time and it's just not, you know, it's not true at all. Um, in my experience, you know, most of the time, if you ask a question, you you know, the the child or the young person will sort that situation out themselves. Absolutely. You know, the, with the, in fact, you know, they have all those great intuitive skills, and then we, we steal it from them with formal education. And, um, you know, then <laughs> they spend the rest of their lives trying to get it back, you know. <laughs> but uh, you're right. There's so much. I, I, some of the greatest lessons I've learned uh, from my kids. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I, I think much, I, I don't know if I'm much wiser than we think. Yeah, sorry, they're much wiser, yeah. I think, than we think. You know, they're very, oh, you know, they're much more in tune with their intuition, I think, than we think. Yeah, now... I think I may have mentioned in the first interview that uh, my oldest, older daughter dropped out of college, which shocked me because she was taking drama, which is her passion. And so uh, I took her to a counselor, and the the two of us uh, drilled her on the benefits of going back, and that lasted about 45 minutes. She said not a word. She just looked at us as we, you know, laid out the benefits of staying. And so... uh, we looked at her at the end of 45 minutes and said, well, and she said, well, she says, I heard everything you had to say. I don't, and everything you said was correct. I don't have one argument against uh, your logic and you, it all makes sense. And I said to her, well, great. So now you're going back, right? And she looked at me and said, no. <laughs> and I said, why? And she looked at me, 18 years old, and looked at both of us and she just said so sweetly, it's just not in my heart. And here were two uh, 
advanced degree individuals with tons of more years of life experience who were completely floored. Our legs were taken out from under us, and we didn't have an answer. <laughs> and that was a major, major turning point in my life. Yeah. It just made so uh, much absolutely. sense. Yeah, they're, they're not, they're not, you know, they they know their own minds, um, and from a pretty young age, actually. So, you know, we should we should allow them, um, we should allow them that. You know, we shouldn't squash them. We shouldn't, you know, tell them what exactly. they have to do. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So now. So I keep watching your your development, and it's fascinating. I love to, every time I get one of your emails, I'm just blown away by something deeper and and more more broad than before. You know, you can feel that you know you're on your own uh, hero's journey and where life is taking you. And so now you're, this latest thing with unconventional parenting, parenting, uh, you want to mm-hmm. fill us in on what what that is, where it came from, and you know, what you're trying to yeah, do? absolutely. I, I think that, one, you know, as, as we get older, I think we start to realize things about ourselves that we didn't know. <laughs> and I think one yeah. thing that I have learned about myself, you know, over the last six to nine months, is that I look at the world very differently. You know, I look, I look at it with a very sort of revolutionary brain. Um, I look at something and everyone says it's white and I look at it and go, well, why? You know, why is it white? Why isn't it pink? Or, you know, so I do look at everything very, very differently. And I've always felt very differently about lots of things. Um, but I have to say, a lot of the time, you know, I've kept that to myself because it wasn't a popular way of thinking or it wasn't a popular decision or, it, you know, it goes against the grain. And I think, you know, a few months ago, I started to realize that that was, you know, not a great thing to do because, um, for example, if I look at parenting, um, I've always parented exactly the way I want to parent, the, the way that felt right for me and my children. And I've never been swayed by what any expert or whatever anyone else had to say. Um, and so if someone told me something, I would then go off and research that and see if that was true, you know, if there was any counter evidence. So I was always questioning what the mainstream was doing um and my eldest daughter is now 18 she's about to go off and leave for university and my youngest is nearly 15 and what i started to realize is that you know and I'm, I'm, i know i'm not the only one doing this but i you know i parent very very differently i have no no rules particularly my children choose what time they go to bed for example and what i started to realize is the more and more parents that i spoke to that m- more of them wanted to be able to do this so they had their in their hearts they wanted to do certain things with their children but their heads were saying something opposite or society was saying something opposite yeah and a lot of them didn't have that sort of revolutionary sort of peace inside them that gave them permission to do it so about two months ago it felt like that was my job you know that it was my job to give parents out there that are a little bit different and want to parent, you know, not by the rule book or not by, you know, five steps to get your kid to do this, who really care about their children and want to parent them in a very soulful way, um, that I needed to be the one leading leading that sort of revolution, that I needed to be the one allowing them um, to, to do it and giving them the permission to say it's okay. You know, if you don't want to set a bedtime for your child, that's fine. You know, if you don't want to do that, it's okay. 
and I think that I just felt that parents needed to really concentrate on what was the most important thing, you know, which is the relationship and what they they feel that, you know, their job is as a parent. And that they, that I just get this feeling that as a society we're, we're not going in a great way and we need to parent our children not from what we see on the outside but who they are on the inside, you know, the real soul of them, the real essence. And if we compare it to that, then then they, you know, are, are, you know, they'll grow up into these amazing adults. So the unconventional parent came from this sort of little argument that I had with myself starting about six months ago about what could I offer parents because I knew that I was doing things very differently and that I wasn't the only one out there that, that wanted permission, I guess, to do it that way. So... Yeah, that felt very long to explain something that's quite simple, really. <laughs> no, no, it was uh, there was an element that I was going to pick up on, but that you answered for me, um, and that was, yeah, okay, it's okay to, um, well, first of all, I love the fact that I mean, this is one of the reasons I mentioned my daughter's comment. You know, that that from that day forward, I started to understand the power of the heart, and what that is is a driving force to really to live a beautiful life and to a, live a, a, a life that one was meant to do, that was really beautiful and not what society. She wasn't, there's a perfect example of somebody, she was brave enough not to accept what society told her to do, even though society had all the statistics and, and conventional wisdom said, oh no, you must have your degree. She broke through all of that and went to her heart. So, I mean, that that's, can be a very similar methodology or process for what you're saying. And I think you pull it together for me. You're saying, you know, I got, I got a little alarmed and say, you know, some some parents can be very strict, be extremely strict and have all kinds of wacky notions. But when you said that looking at your child as having a soul and you know, and that's part of the unconventionality, isn't it? Is that what you're saying is that just don't set up a bunch of rules or methods that society says, but you're saying this, so unconventional parenting is really about the relationship between the kid and the parent. And so both both entities have to be honored then, right? Well, yeah, I think it's about raising the child the way that you want to raise them, not how society or anybody else wants. But But I also think that the generation that we're seeing coming along now, um, there's a lot of those children, um, a, a, quite a huge majority of them actually, that are, are very deep. Um, I'm going to use the word spiritual, but I don't necessarily mean that you know they're spiritual as in um, you know God and things like that. But they're very connected. They're very spiritual. They're very deep. They're very sensitive. And um, and what we're seeing, and I can't remember if we spoke about this before, but what we're seeing in the UK, and I'm sure it's, and I'm, well, I know it's in America too, is that our young people are suffering more and more and more from mental illness. And, and I believe it's because, you know, they are connected, sensitive souls that are in this society that is telling them what to do, that isn't connecting with them as a real person. And I think that we're at a time where our children want this. You know, they need to be connected with in a different way. They're, they're dying for someone to see them as who they are and, and to to somebody to to parent them in a way that is 
you know, just beautiful and, and works. And for some people, that might be a little bit stricter than for other people. Like, you know, I mean, I don't set my children bedtime. I'm not saying everyone should should do that, but that's my choice. And I think that when we parent from our choice and what's good for us and our child, you know, I'm not saying it will be perfect all the time, but it's unlikely to go wrong because we're both absolutely in alignment with how we want to be and what and the sort of child that we want to you know bring into the world and and so it yes it is about the relationship but I think it's about much more than that I think it's about remembering that parenting it you know we've been given a gift you know it's a spiritual journey for want of another word and you know I love that um, poem and I can't remember it for the for the life of me at the moment from um I think it's from the the prophet, the I can't even remember his name. But you know, he talks about. Oh gosh, I wish I could remember his name. That's it. That's it. And he talks about you know our children come through us, yet they belong not to us. Exactly. You know, I, and and I always you know remember that that I'm not parent. You know, I don't own this child. I get right. I gave birth to this child, um, and I mother this child. But my job is to you know, help that soul out into the world. I mean, it's a, it's such a different way of looking at parenting. And for me, it's actually very releasing. And, and right. it, it means that there is no right or wrong. There's just you and your child and, and you know, the relationship between you. Right. And so, yeah, so now it's becoming clearer to me what you're, you, 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 you have to, you know, to me, there's, there's a caveat to just saying, oh, just bring the kid up your way without adding that that component that you're talking about now but understand that you have you have a soul <laughs> to guide through <laughs> through through this planet through this lifetime and so hence it can't be a top down um relationship no. it has to be okay yeah so mm. that that is yeah you have a very awesome job message. right yeah. right I think that Sorry, was what on. was, yeah. That no, well, that was what was, you know. I, I was all along an unconventional parent. I mean, people, you know, didn't approve of the way I brought my kids up. But as a result, I have a fantastic relationship to this day with my daughters, and um, they tell me that, you know, I wasn't like the other parents telling them that they had to do college or they had to take this route or that route or you know whatever, and that, you know, I really wanted to know who these kids were. And then, believe me, it didn't start off that way. I started off as the, as the uh, conventional parent who was going to, you know, with all the competition and make my sure my kid was had all the skill sets that other kids didn't have, with reading early, math early, all of those things. And I learned from my kids again that they weren't going to do it until they were ready. And so this relationship exactly is what became of that, awareness that wow we we have to parenting then i guess that what i'm coming to now became a, a a collective effort it was we had to get through parenting together the child and i yeah yeah i love that and i think it's so interesting that we see you know parenting i mean it's even a word that i i don't i don't particularly like because it, it insinuates that we're doing something 
to somebody. Um, but you right. know, parenting is is something that we do together. You know, we raise that child, and we can't do that alone. You know, we have to do we have to do that with the child, with their permission, <laughs> with their you know. <laughs> well, I think we've really uncovered something essential here. I mean, that's a great point, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, you, you can't, know, and you can't be a parent by yourself. You have to just we say well, you're an unconventional parent, bring your kid up the way you want, but you have to understand that it has to be a harmonious situation where both benefit. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, absolutely. I think you know, parenting is a, you know, it's a collaborative effort, and and just because somebody's younger than you in age. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that they don't know how to solve something you know and i think that if we if we get really spiritual and look at you know we who knows how old a soul a soul is in somebody's body you know i mean i certainly look at my daughter my 18 year old and she's the oldest person in the house there's no doubt about it (laughs) (laughs) beautifully put it's true you know i mean this is a point. I'm glad I've got you on the, this. This uh, when I remember being back in the college in the '60s, and I think it was Eric Erickson and uh, all of these uh, uh, renowned psychologists, child psychologists, and uh, were coming out with, uh, "Oh, is it? You know, how, how much of the personality is uh, heredity, and how much of it yeah. is um, environment?" And uh, so they had all of these big debates. And then, (laughs) you know, and I remember wasting hours of time in class or whatever and reading and trying to assimilate all of these. And then when I had my first child, I went, maybe not with the first, but when the second, I all of a sudden realized right out of the gate that that personality was that personality and would not deviate. A lot of things are attitudes. Uh, a lot of other th- things that she would become skilled at, et cetera. But what stayed consistent was a personality, which is what you're saying is the soul. Yeah, you know, I, I, absolutely. And I'm using that in the loosest sense because I know that everyone, you know, everyone has different religious, you know, connotations. Right. Um, but I always remember when I had my eldest and I was never ever going to have children I I was never going to be a mother Um, (laughs) it's just nothing I ever wanted to and when I had my um you know my um my eldest you know I found it really difficult when she was a baby because I just didn't know you know what to do with her I'd read every book and done this and that and she'd still cry you know and I remember ringing up my dad saying I don't know what to do and he said so she's a small person just you know you yes. deal with people just treat her as a small person and that changed everything because instead of seeing her like something that I had to do something with and what other books told me she was a small person so I just started treating her as her own person and and you know we just from that moment things got easier um, and I was like you know thank, thankfully he gave me that advice you know she's just a small person oh, okay I, I can deal with a small person that's fine <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, the whole concept of childhood is really a new concept, and that's really what it was because I remember um, exactly that, you know, our predecessors treated them as small people. (laughs) And, uh, you know, lots can be written and discussed about that. But this is fascinating. So now how 
are you, how, what's the reaction to the unconventional parent? What are you finding? Well, it, it, you know, it's still in it's such an early days. I think towards the end of this month, I'll be doing a webinar, and then I'll be doing like a six-week um, um, class on it. So it's still in its, its very early stages, and a lot of the things that I'm sharing in this, I've never shared before um, and a lot of them are very deep in fact the writer's journey will will come into there as well you'd be pleased to know <laughs> you know and a lot yeah. of, a lot of it is very um, you know absolutely unconventional thinking when it comes to parenting um, and a lot of the people that I speak to you know I think people sit in two camps I think that this this message will work for those people that are a little bit unconventional who are already sort of doing things you know a little bit different and stepping out of society a little bit differently um, and are already thinking of, you know, in that sort of terms. Um, and then I think there'll always be that, you know, the people that this message won't relate to, which are the ones that believe, we, you know, we control and own our children. And that's fine. You know, I, I've got nothing against that. But I, I'm very well aware that this message is for a certain audience and that audience are just people that are thinking a little bit differently. But there may be... <laughs> a little bit scared to to do that decision because, you know, everybody's against it. Society's against it. You know, everyone might be telling them it's the wrong thing to do. And maybe they just need someone to try, give them permission that, you know, you've got this. You know, you were given that child. You clearly have everything you need <laughs> to raise yep. that child or it wouldn't have come to you, you know. So we need to yep. stop looking outside for the answers and start going inside because, you know, if we've been given that that soul, that person, that child, um, somebody thinks we can raise it well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, and and I mean, how did we get this far in civilization? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody absolutely. You know. <laughs> before there was an internet, right? Before there were online courses. Before there were all the books, somehow we got this far. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think we were probably, you know, better off. <laughs> but I also yeah, think, you know, exactly. that we, you know, our children, yes, I think our children are there to teach us what we need to learn as well as a parent. And I certainly know that, you know, both of my children, um, um, well, particularly one of them, is so different to me. You know, and I know that, you know, she was put here to teach me patience and to teach me to calm down, and to, you know, and to teach me lots and lots of different skills that I didn't have, um, you know, and to show me lots of things that I couldn't see because she's so different to me. So I think that, you know, it's an exchange of energies, this parenting. You know, it's not, you know, we learn as much from our children, probably more so actually than than um, they learn from us. And it's an exchange of ideas. It's an exchange of learning. It's an exchange of experience sometimes. Um, and, I, and I want people to get back to that. You know, I want parents to know they've got, you know, they have everything. They don't need to, to, to mistrust themselves and mistrust their own inner guidance because, you know, that is the only way, in my opinion, to go. <laughs> you know, I, I I love listening to because, and and we do. We you know, it's like walking a minefield today when you start talking about spirituality, and it's almost like you apologize for it. You know, or at least you know try to mitigate it. Yeah. But you, but <laughs> as we know, I mean, just from the books that you get your guidance from, from the writer's journey and everything else, 
it, you know, we can take the gloves off and say it is spiritual. I mean, there's, you know, I, one, I have my little radio show that, you know, for this mythical world of the beans. And one of the things I like to interject is a lot of inspirational talks from some of the great celebrities and, and you know, knowledgeable people. And one I love to use all the time that I think people, again, using story is Star Wars. There's so many great quotes and messages and lessons from Star Wars that are very spiritual. And one of them is um, when Yoda is uh, talking to Luke after he's tried to convince him that he can, you know, through lift lift the uh, craft from the swamp. And he and he and he looks at him and he says, uh, "Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter." So as he puts his yeah, as he puts his hands on Luke, he says, "You know, we're luminous beings, not just this yeah. crude matter." And and we are, and that's the element that you're talking about, the the, the inner guidance. So this it it really becomes. I remember transactional analysis was a big thing, uh, you know, in the '60s as well. And uh, so basically, you, you're saying that this unconventional parent is is kind of a transactional. Um, it's a it's a transaction between the parent and the kid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and I and it's not. I mean, some of it's coming from what I know about parents and talking to parents and my own experience, but a lot of it is coming from the young people that I work with. And and I was talking to someone a few months ago about you know our mental health crisis, and I keep going back to this, but I think it's really important. And what we're going to do, and and it was really simple to me. You know, I said our young people are not having you know the crisis they're in is a spiritual crisis. You know, it's a crisis of of a lack of faith of anything. It's a crisis of a lack of purpose. It's a crisis of a a lack of connection. You know, it's a crisis of a a lack of feeling important, of of intuition, of all of those, you know, those things that we we don't sort of honor and acknowledge. And when I look at them and as I work with them, I I realize that it's, it's... that's the crisis that they're in you know they're spiritually or unconnected from everything um exactly and you know and i'm not you know and that doesn't mean i think we really have to say this that everyone goes to church you know i think that that's that's you know that's looking at it from a, a really sort of narrow perspective but if a child doesn't think they have a purpose if they don't think they're connected to something higher if they don't have faith or hope in anything then what is there? You know, what is there when you're feeling really nothing. sad or low or depressed? Nothing. There's just emptiness. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you know, and, and it worries me where our young people are going. And, and I don't want, I want to kind of stop that rot that I'm seeing set in. And actually, I think, you know, we have to go to the parents and go, it's okay to, you know, to be a bit wooey with your children. You know, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the, one of the major components of all this, and it's one of my pet peeves, and that's why I love having you on the show and talk about is, you know, the, the, the lack of time, <clears throat> excuse me, that children are given today. I mean, everybody uses this, especially in the States. Oh, well, we, you can't do it the way you used to. You can't. And so the, everybody's accepting this. It's Things are different now, and you can't do that. Because everybody's so busy. And I'm like, ah, you know, my fingers in my mouth gagging. Because, no, it doesn't. If, if you, that's just saying that you accept what society says is the norm. And so it really goes back to that, doesn't it? If you're going to be unconventional, 
you really have to be not only unconventional as a parent, you have to be unconventional as a as a human. Yes, you know, absolutely. And I think, you know, time is a really interesting one because I don't think it's always a time issue. I think it's a priority issue. Um, you know, right. and if, if you, however busy you are, if you decide parenting is one of the most important jobs you take on, and I, I'm not suggesting everyone has to decide that, but if you do, you know, then just a text to your child or just a, a, a quick call or, you know, or something, you know, they, it, it's, it, you know, it's a priority issue. It's never a time issue. We, you know, we make time for our priorities and, and, um, and I've right. just I never bought that no time. Right, I had this argument there that, well, there's no time for parenting, there's no time for your kids, yet the same individual posts, you know, 45, <laughs> on your website, 45 mm-hmm. pictures of their cat, you know. <laughs> or their, <laughs> there's um, always time for cats. That's all I know, yeah. there's always time for cats. That's when I know the world is ended. If there's no time for cats, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and in the drinking games, I like that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind about them, but cats! Oh my goodness, that would uh, you know my life would be. Yeah, people say we. Yeah, they say people say we notice you don't uh, engage a lot on Facebook. I said if, if I see one more picture of a cat, I said yeah. I'll never go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So. uh so, yeah, you're right. So people, those same people that say they don't have time will make the time for what they consider to be valuable. And so, you're right, when we start to say to the world, what is more valuable than than this parenting thing? You know, this transaction between you and your child, this relationship between you and child, you know, what, what that's your legacy. I mean, even though it's not your kid, as we know spiritually, that they're, they're not ours, they're of 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 their their own they're basically their own but you still you've been given the gift of acting as a guide and so what are you going to do with that yeah absolutely and i think that also what we really do need to be aware of in this parenting field and this is absolutely what i i don't want you know to do is that i think parents are made to feel very very guilty um about what they're doing or not doing and i think that you know Everyone should do whatever they feel is the right thing for them. And, and you know, what I'm doing is definitely not about, you know, bashing people that aren't doing what I'm doing or choose to look at it another way. That's fine. You know, I'm speaking to the ones that really do resonate with the message because it's, you know, the amount of judgment that is on parents. You know, I mean, I, I remember um, there was something particularly going on with my eldest child and there was it's like a... There was a girl in the class bullying the others, and I think she was um, about eight or nine. And I went into the playground, and the parents asked me what I told my daughter to do about this situation. And I said, well, I didn't tell her to do anything. I asked her what she wanted to do, and she came up with a plan, and it was cool. And it was like everyone moved away from me in the playground. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and sort of, you know, okay, and kind of kept me at arm's length. And, and any time I went into the playground thereafter, you know, they sort of moved away like I was very strange and weird. And there's so much judgment on, on us, you know, when we're not doing what everyone else wants to, you know, is doing, or we, we don't listen to, you know, what everyone thinks the norm is. And I think that, you know, I really want to, whatever parent, however they're parenting, whatever they think, they're doing a great job. 
you know, we need to stop bashing each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, I mean, you can see some of the product of some types of parenting and say, well, I don't know if you really are doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think, but I think that's, you know, that's their journey, isn't it? You know, that's their yeah, journey, exactly. that's that child's journey. And, and, yeah, but I, yeah, I'm I'm always an advocate. I'm always an advocate for the child. People say, "Why do you get so excited about this?" Because I said, "Somebody's got to speak up for the kid." Yeah, and there's a. I don't know if you're. For, I'm going to mention another book here, which is probably going to kill me. For have you read um, David and Goliath yet by Malcolm Gladwell? Oh, oh, absolutely loved it. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. And what's so interesting in in that book is you know how he talks about a lot of the children that go on to do great things later on in life have had really difficult childhoods. Um, and so I think that sometimes we never know why something's happening in someone's early childhood. <laughs> You're right. <but> maybe. <laughs> You're exactly. You know, why did the the universe or God or whatever you want term you want to use? Why did they hook these two up together? You're right. You're right. Yeah, because that child had to have that possibility to you know make them go on and do something you know, great and amazing. And, and I, I and I deal with a lot of children that their home situations are just horrid. You know, like, oh, absolutely horrible situations that you wouldn't want anybody in. And, you know, and I always say to them, you know, you must be made to do something great in life because you're being nice. tested so early. Nice. Nice. You know, so, you know, and I do believe yeah, I, that. Yeah, I've been talking about that a lot lately. I don't know if you've read Boys in the Boat yet. Oh, no, I haven't read that, no. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's about a, the 1936, true story, 1936 University of Washington team that, that went over and won the, the gold during and beat Hitler. You know, they thought they were going to win and whatever. But there's a quote there, and, and it, it's just dawning on me now, you know, all the, the hero's journey, I mean, all of this, that, yeah, it is a story where each one of us has our own story. And the the quote that lured me into the book was, between the rower and his destination or the finish line is water, which is the resistance. But just as water is the resistance, it is the water that supports you. He says, just as in life, the, the, that that which is between you and what you came here to do is resistance in problems. But those problems are also what support you and give you the character to get, to complete your journey. And yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that linked with um, Ben Hogan. I, I was fascinated. I, a couple of stories led me to, um, I remember seeing The Greatest Game, uh, the movie, and then, you know, it was about Harry Varden and the great British uh, golfers, and they... The, uh, a young American amateur beat them back in the ninth, early 1900s. And, but anyway, I read about, it led me to Ben Hogan, who lived a miserable childhood. And the beginning of his biography was a quote from him saying, I feel bad for all of those privileged kids who, who grew up with little problems. He says, because they, don't under, they never had the adversity to overcome the major problems in life. And yeah, and I think... Um yeah, Gladwell yeah. calls so, them desirable difficulties, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which and I think is a lovely, lovely thing. Yeah, we can't, we can't really protect. It's not a good thing to protect our kids from mm. those experiences. 
no, you know, absolutely not. And, you know, and if a child sits in front of me um, ever and tells me all of the, you know, the things they've got or the problems in their life, you know, and I go, great, you've just got a desirable difficulty. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, great. You know, what's, you know, what are we going to do with this? And I think that, you know, like, you know, we never know someone's journey. We just have to meet them at the place that they're at and, and be, whatever they need at that place, you know, and um, that's where I think the writer's journey links into other things, you know, where are they on their journey um, and what do they need at that moment? And that's, you know, something I'm so excited excited about, including actually in the, in the unconventional parent, because it's nothing that I've ever really spoken about before, even though it's something that, you know, I use so much in my work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, again, we're, we're peeling the onion here, and I'm seeing that you're basically giving permission to give pe- people and parents and kids permission to be themselves and to do it, which is intu- as you keep saying, and is absolutely right, intuitively. I mean, I was, again, the, my path took me to a, a Catholic university here in the States, which I really was a second choice. And, but now that I look back at the dots and how they're connecting, was a fabulous training ground because we were required to take a course in theology and philosophy every single semester. And, you know, so it just, um, you know, it ingrained, you know, this idea that in the Socratic method, which, you know, I actually took a, an entire course in, in Plato and, and in Socrates, mm-hmm. and I realized that, you know, as Socrates said, the answers are inside. <laughs> That's why he developed the questioning, you know, approach to, to education, because the, yeah. everybody has, has the answers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we know, you know, we know what's right. We, and we feel that. And, you know, and there's a lot of parents out there in this sort of inner turmoil because they're, you know, their heads are telling them one thing and their hearts are telling them something else. And, you know, the head is powerful and it often wins. And I think, you know, I want the heart to win a little bit more because it's more likely to be right. <laughs> well, it is. It is right. And in that, you know, I, I think I've maybe mentioned on the other show that the, the theme of my little world, these bean top, beans that are descendants of Jack and the Beanstalk is, Use your being, trust your heart, um, follow your gut, follow your intuition. And, yeah, yeah, obviously we can't operate without a brain. And the brain, brain when, when used in harmony with those other two properties we have, you know, th- then we can really make some great decisions because you do have to analyze and you do have to strategize. But you're not going to get it done. You know, but I, you know, and again, using Steve Jobs, he's been very – very instrumental in helping me at this time in my life. And he said he never did anything unless it came from his intuition. And I've adopted that in spite of all of the things that seem to be going, falling down around me. And and you're right, the conventional wisdom, they panic. People look at me like, you know, how can you operate that way? You know, you don't get afraid. You don't, because I've learned to trust that. And it's always... (laughs) It's always right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I was just having a conversation with a friend actually before I came here, and I have this like test that I do on my on myself, which is going to sound like really odd, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm very obsessed with The Walking Dead. Okay, I, I'm just going to own up to it now. 
Um, and when I'm making a decision, <laughs> when I'm making a decision, I always think, if there's a zombie apocalypse, am I going to live? You know, or am I going to become a zombie? And I guess what I'm asking myself there is, am I thinking about this? You know, am I using my brain and my heart and my gut and thinking about this decision? Or am I just like zombified walking? Oh, look, there's a noise. Oh, look, I smell blood. You know, am I doing that? Or am I actually a survivor? You know, am I thinking? And I know it's a really odd sort of analogy I love it. to you, but a, a lot of us are zombie walking. And well, we don't know it. That's right. And the world is full of zombie walkers. They're not awake. You know, they have. I, 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 I don't usually get up early. And one day I had to be downtown and I saw all these people going to work. And <laughs> the traffic really hadn't started. But yet they were the first off the train and they're walking down the middle of the street in hordes. You know, just because yeah, they, they like zombies. Yeah. Yeah, like no, there wasn't one smile. <laughs> yeah. You know, These we're stars. really not too far off the Walking Dead. You know. <laughs> well, I think I think that's the fascination with this, and yeah, you, what uh, what I love about what you're saying is to everybody, wake up. You know, why are you yeah. accepting? what everybody else says is the right way to parent or to have a relationship with your child, you know, wake up and realize you've got everything you need right there. You don't have to go to somebody else to find out. Yeah, you know, are you just like arms in front of you going, oh, <laughs> or are you actually surviving and fighting? You know? <laughs> well, I, I remember one time I went to my uh, parent-teachers meeting with my daughter and my daughter is extremely bright, but she they didn't even know how to term it in those days, but she was AD or ADHD, whatever. Yeah. But she, uh, she, you know, would tell you the capillary structure of, uh, you know, <laughs> of a bat or something. And, you know, she had all of this great knowledge, but she couldn't translate it or, or sit still long enough to translate it into grades. And so we went to the class and the um, principal said, well, he says, you know, as parents... Don't uh, denigrate or berate your kids for a poor grade, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And I I said to him, well, wait a minute. I said, you're trying to tell us that we have to correct what you did. (laughs) (laughs) I said, so I said, how do you handle that here? I said, by virtue of the fact that you've, you've, a lot of times, because I knew as a educator how arbitrary grades were, but I proposed, why don't you just give everybody pass-fail? I said, why don't you really concentrate on teaching kids how to learn rather than what you've done is made the grade more of a priority than the actual learning. And I remember the horror in the room that I would even think of proposing that. And uh, he admitted to me afterwards, he says, well, we don't do it for the kids. We do it for the parents. <laughs> the parents want the grade. Yeah, there's um there's a great a great book on that actually called um Quality Schools by um uh William Glasser. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. No. Yeah, you don't so, um yeah, um well it's the it's the theory that I'm trained in, which is choice theory, which comes from William Glasser, but he wrote a whole book about, you know, quality schools and schools where basically you either, you know, you passed or you wasn't there yet. <laughs> and yeah, it was that exactly. simple, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and concentrate on the knowledge to be garnered, not the uh, the grade to be 
you know, as a trophy to put on the wall, which means nothing. You know, a year or two after you've gotten out of school, nobody ever looks at those transcripts or cares. <laughs> you know, you know, it's uh, and and what and what I like is the movement lately. If you're going to talk about unconventional parenting, it's like the unconventional way to get educated is a lot of you know when you look at the greatest leaders and, and innovators, they didn't complete college. They went and they learned what they wanted to learn, and they they went with their intuition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think that grades and, and college and that are important to teachers to achieve. But if a child can achieve with, you know, then that's, you know, absolutely fine. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think it is one way. It's not the only way. Um, I, I think there's been some research done in the UK that has shown that people that don't reach their potential at school, well, you know, which that is different for every child, generally don't reach their potential in life. And I think that that is why you know, school is important, but, um, you know, it's not about the grade, it's about somebody reaching their potential, whatever that is, you know. Right. Right. I, I always was amazed at the readers. The readers were the ones who excelled far beyond and even dropped out of college way beyond the expectations of, you know, because part of the problem with, with the formal education is we're teaching people how to fit into jobs as opposed to finding their true calling. And yeah. that's where I you really get the zombie effect. So, I mean, again, kudos to you because you're, you know, if if what we've been we're talking about is truly a relationship where you're part of what unconventional parenting, the goal is to discover your kid, right? I mean, wouldn't that be one of the major goals? Yeah, I think it's to discover discover your child, but also to discover yourself. Yep. You know, and to discover what is great about you as a as a parent. You know, how do you want to parent? What's great about you? What do you bring to this parenting thing? You know, what's your gift that you're giving? Um, because, you know, how I parent is going to be very different to how somebody else parents. You know, because I think, you know, we need to parent from our gifts. So I think that, yes, it's about discovering your child, but ultimately it's about discovering yourself. Because then, then you can parent in the way you want to with a, a sort of a, a confidence and, and and just an ease, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when I said that, I assumed that the parents had already discovered themselves. But as we know, yeah, that this is where I think the world uh, needs, especially in a developed society, as you know, with a, the, all of the problems of drugs and, and mental illness and everything else. I mean, is this the legacy we want to leave to the world? Um, it's, it is, it's, it borders on the walking dead. So you're right. I mean, that's, you know, what my message is to everyone is like, what do you really, do, are you really happy? You know, I look at people and say, are you happy with all of this? You know, are you happy with what society has handed you? Is, are you happy trying to conform? You know, because you don't have to do that. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, if you're bold enough and you believe and trust in your intuition enough, and in you know in in your higher power, the force, whatever we want to call it, if you really trust those things, you don't have to play this silly game that society says you have to play by being conventional. In even in something yeah, like power. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Are you going to survive the zombie apocalypse? That's the only question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I uh, I think one of the books we mentioned on the first show, and, and uh, 
was Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, Not the Art of War. And, you know, that book, more than any book, explains so much that, you know, he, he says, you know, let's let's address the spiritual part in there. He says, he says basically the same thing that we talked about with the water being a resistance. He says that the, the, that which keeps you from being who you, who, not just what you want to be, he says, is resistance. And it shows up in the form of depression, anger, uh, you know, and, and drugs and, and uh, alcoholism and uh, bad relationships, drama. He says that's the thing that keeps you that was pl- actually planted there, as you said. To, you know, we choose the parents that we do, or those those hardships that we we come to overcome. And he says, so th- those are there to keep you as part of the game, as part of life, the hero's journey, to keep us from that. It wouldn't be fun if we just moved right into it. <laughs> we have to have this this journey. And he said, so once you realize that. He says, then how do you get there? And he says, what you have to do is you have to go to war with that resistance every day, and you get, have to get up and do the work. And he says, and then he adds the component that if you think that this little tiny seed turns into that giant tree simply because of the chemical reaction, the physical reaction, he says, I feel bad for you. He says, because there's a life force, an energy force that makes it that tree. And he says, that same force applies to this whole process. So he says, basically, it comes down to doing the work, letting go, and trusting. And I think that really is, if you're going to f- apply that model to parenting, is that, you know, do the work, be the parent, you know, let go. And don't, do you think letting go is a, is a huge, com- I do, of, of parenting. I think that's one of the biggest components of responsible parenting is letting go when it's time to let go. Yeah, absolutely, letting go of any expectations, letting go of how you think your child should be, how you think you should parent, how what you know, how you think this works, you know. <laughs> and and you know, but I think expectation is a huge thing, you know, particularly in parenting and and when we decide to let go of that and just do what we want, it's so liberating. Yeah, and then the trust component, I find that, you know, my trusting in my higher source or intuition or whatever you want to call it, but also you've got to trust your kid, don't you? I mean, at some point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I believe that we give trust 100%, you know, until our child shows us, you know, exactly. different. And exactly. if they show us different, then, you know, we take a little bit of that trust back. And, and um, exactly. you know, and and then try again. But but I think what we do is we come from a place of lack of trust, of la- you know, of, of fear, and we pair, you know, and a, a lot of the things that we're led to parent from fear and, and lack of trust. And and I think that if we parented from trust and love, you know, it'd be so much easier. You know, the um, I I, <laughs> I tried to avoid it my entire <clears throat> for at least ten or twenty years. I kept running into the Course in Miracles in bookshops, and I actually had my hand on it. I'd reach for another book, and I, and I knew it was trying to tell me to do it, and I resisted and resisted, and finally, uh, through a weird set of circumstances, I decided to pursue it, and it really has helped me, because it just says, basically, you know, Marianne Williamson talks about this, there's only two choices in life, love or fear, and there's yeah. always, always only one problem, and that's separation from your source, whatever you want to call that source, whether it's your intuition or your higher power. 
And, you know, it, and so it all boils down to that. It's like, are you going to live a fearful life <laughs> and do what everybody else tells you to do? Or are you going to, you know, stay connected to that source and uh, choose love? And that's yeah, really... I, you know, absolutely. Isn't that the ultimate goal of parenting This is, is love, I think? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Love and to connect our child to their own source. Because that yes. is what is missing, definitely missing, and that's the crisis our young people are in. They're not connected to Absolutely. their own source, or the source, because, or whatever you know. We want to say. Right. Are you are you writing? Are you going to write a book with this title? Uh, no, I'm not, and it's very. Um, I'm not very purposefully because I think there's so many parenting books out there, and I think we need to stop reading them. Parenting books, yeah. actually, and, and, and I'm saying that having wrote to as well. And so, no, this isn't a book. I, I think this is a living being. It's something that is an experience. It's not something that I want it to be, you know, like dead in a book almost. Um, you know, some things I do absolutely are right for books. This is not one of them. This is a living creation that needs to, you know, move and breathe and not be static, I think. Nice, nice. I think, you know, I, I just by our conversations, I think we, you know, we, we, both of us act as a catalyst here, but I think so many great points came out that would kind of be a nice, maybe not a book per se, but as a little guide or a little handbook that, you know, could be things to be aware of, you know, that mm. love versus fear and trust and and uh, letting go, um, you know, because it's so easy to get caught up in the drama. I think that's what happens, especially I see it with, don't you find that I think it's so rough between mothers of teenagers, the drama that ensues is incredible. And a lot of times the father yeah. can stand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I find so, it astonishing because for me, when my children got to the teen years, it's, I loved it, you know, and I still love it because they're both in there. And um, I don't get why people are worried about it, why there's so much drama around it. Because for me, it was just amazing because I started to watch them become themselves. Um, and yeah, you know, of course, there's going to be a little bit of conflict. But I think in every relationship, there's going to be conflict. And, and I don't know. It's like we make up that it's difficult. So it becomes difficult. And actually, it, it doesn't have to be that way at all. We really don't exactly. get it. Well, that's part of part must be you know what I call the letting go part. It's you know when to pick your battles and you know when to to not engage and make it a, a controlling you know I must win. Well, yeah, and you know, and it's also you know you following the zombies that all tell you that parenting a teenager is difficult, or are you you know on on exactly. on the side that's going mm, maybe that's not quite right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, I had a technique that I used on my daughters. They hated it. Rather than go crazy when they pull some insane <laughs> act, I was just looking and go, "Why did you do that?" And one day they both looked at me and said, "We would just love it if you just disciplined us and didn't ask us why, because we don't know why." <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I've got, I've got something that I do that's similar, and I go, "That's really interesting. What had you choose to do that?" <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. It was an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, and it, it uh, 
Well, I think there's a there's a great uh, benefit to that technique because it makes them think about how silly that might have been, really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's um, that's the best thing we can do is actually get them thinking rather than do the thinking for them. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Well, I this is as always. I I love our conversations. I think we've I you know I've covered all the things that I want to do. Anything you want to add? Um, not, no, not really. I mean, if any anybody listening to this feels that they want to sort of join the cause and come along with me <laughs> on my sort of yes. revolutionary path, um, if they just go to sarahnewton.com and um, scroll right. down and to the bottom, they can, right, they that's can put spelled their S- details in the box. Right, that's spelled S-A-R-A-H-N-E-W-T-O-N, Sarah Newton, not S A R A. Right. No, S A R A H N E W T O N. Yeah. And right. if they just scroll down, there's a place to put their email and their their, their name, and then they'll you know stay up to date with all the um, you know awesome stuff that's coming up. And there is actually a group on Facebook for the unconventional parent. And I'm just going to get the make sure I've got the yeah. So if they go to facebook.com/groups/theunconventional parent, they can ask to join the group there. And we've been having some great chats on there. We're pretty new, but you know we're 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 soldiering on down the path. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, the path has to start somewhere, and I can attest that any time I've received uh, an email, a newsletter of yours, it's always been fascinating. So, and that's what led me to pursue you. It took me a while, but I I, I was determined to uh, connect with you because I just love your stuff. I'm a big fan. And I, uh, you know, I think people will see by this uh, interview that why I'm a big fan. Uh, oh, so you. much fun, always. We always have a few laughs. We always, I think, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of push each other to uh, to to formulate, to synthesize, and and you know, keep this a concept like this, you know, to see it to its fruition. Yeah, absolutely. You always make me think, which is a good thing, because I know I'm going to now survive the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> exactly. Sarah, so much. I'm so grateful for this. I I, I look at these little podcasts as treasures. Um, you know, they've somehow catapulted me where they just keep getting, I keep doing more and more of them. But I, I do take the time to create a poster which gives honor to what, my guests do and you know for a second reason that you know when i do get the opportunity i will repost these because i think these are just great nuggets for anybody to uh help them along so thank you thank you it's been a pleasure yeah great well let's do this again uh when you know when the time is right and uh have a beautiful weekend you too <laughs> thank you very much thank great you, speaking Sarah. to you Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And that was Sarah Newton, and we talked about the unconventional parents. And, uh, again, you can check out Sarah Newton at www.sarahnewton.com and her Facebook page, which was Facebook's, I think she said, forward slash groups, forward slash the unconventional parent. And uh, have fun with your kids, love them, squeeze them, spend time with them. I mean, why did you have them if you're not going to play with them (laughs) and love them? All right, that's uh, enough for today, and uh, 
Hey, have fun. Have a beautiful weekend. Take care. Oh, there's a crazy little shack beyond the track.